Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, we have a very, very special episode of the Sandro Forte podcast, and I'd like to tell you why. We get lots of feedback on guests, and these two lovely ladies have proven to be two of the five most popular guests we've had in the last two and a half years. Two and a half years, can you believe it? This incredible mother and daughter combo, so no coincidence there, for reasons you're about to find out, are truly inspirational in every way and have overcome many, many hurdles in life and business on their way both of them to finding success. So I'm going to keep this really brief because you've both heard the introduction in respect of both Penny Power and Hannah Power. If you haven't, go back, find them on the Sandro Forte podcast and have a listen. I'm going to leave the rest of the introductions and all of the questions uh, to Penny and to Hannah. But for now, all I'm going to do is just welcome two very, very special people in my life to the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That was lovely, Sandra. And this is this is great because uh, this is a three-way conversation. All hell is going to break loose, I'm sure. Um, but genuinely, ladies, uh, we've had so much fantastic feedback uh, in respect to both of your podcasts. They were, in their own respective ways, absolutely fantastic. And for everyone listening today, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Hannah's podcast or Penny's podcast, do go back because if you have ever had or are having struggles in life right now and want to find a way to overcome them, or you want to simply enjoy all that life brings, listen to these two podcasts because they're amazing. So with all that fantastic feedback, we had to have you both on together. It made obvious sense. And I was thinking in the introduction of great girl double acts. Uh, and I could only think of Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. So maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> I feel um, like her after Christmas. <laughs> Uh, you both look unfortunately we we don't have this as a video podcast but uh penny you look amazing in white and hannah amazing in red i'm i'm wearing a kind of a a brown colored sweater today so i look positively dull by comparison but anyway you both lighting up uh both not just the room but my life for reasons that everyone will come on to uh to hear about as we as we chat the next half an hour so for the for those of uh that haven't listened to either of your podcasts or frankly can't be bothered to go back and find them on the uh, on the archives. Can I just ask you respectively, maybe we'll start with um, with Penny first, just because she's the senior okay. member of the team. Um, just a little bit of background on each of you, if you would, and then we'll we'll dive into, uh, into this amazing journey that you've both been through in your respective ways. Penny? Cool. So um, lovely to be here with you, Sandro. And I have to say, if those podcasts did well, you have to take some credit for their questioning because it were, you are a question master. It was wonderful to talk to you in those podcasts. Bless so you, I'm Penny. You. I live in Surrey. I'm 56. I'm the very proud mother of three children, of which you're now meeting Hannah, for, who's our eldest, and then Ross, and then TJ. And they're all in their 20s. They all have their own businesses now, um, which is very interesting for Thomas and I. Thomas and I have been married for 31 years this year. Um, from a business perspective, um, 
I've always been very emotionally driven. Joined the tech industry when I was 19. Couldn't understand how I could possibly make a career in it. Was planning to go and do psychology at university and ended up making a career in it. But what I'm sort of known for is in 98, um, when the internet was just exploding um, um, and everybody was walking around with a business card that had a dot com on it and it made them think they were going to be millionaires. Um, we, my husband and I, decided to create a friendship network for business people. And at the time, there wasn't one. It was four years before LinkedIn, six years before Facebook, um, eight years before Twitter. And it really was driven from how do we stop people from being disconnected and lonely as a result of the internet? And if ever there was a time for that to be right, it would be now. But sadly, after 14 years, we had to give up our battle. And the battle was not just ours. It was also our children's. They lived and breathed it with us. Wow, that's a, that's a very powerful introduction. Beat that one then, Hannah. <laughs> and are you going to say what you're doing now? Or are we just doing the we'll come on. We'll come on to that. So, we just so want to hear a little bit Hannah about you. Hannah says that because she is my brand coach and she's now <laughs> very disappointed in me. <laughs> no, I would never be. So, uh, right. So my name's Hannah. I, as a mum just said, I am the, the eldest of my two most amazing younger brothers, which I am very lucky to have. They give me complete faith in men of which other men have not um and as mum said when I was six when Academy was launched so my kind of whole childhood was on that entrepreneurial journey which actually did fit me quite well in hindsight where I was very sort of a hustly young um young person I was very like driven to kind of do things and make money I was actually laughing just now um, with someone that my first job was uh, picking up dog poos in the garden for 20p a poo and I found a way to optimize and economize that before getting a promotion at 12 into doing the expenses for mom and dad which was not the highlight <laughs> um so I went on the entrepreneurial journey and, you know, as mom said, it was quite a lot of ups and downs. So didn't initially want to pursue it was kind of really pushing down my entrepreneurial tendencies. And I went and did a law degree and worked in a consulting firm and then decided actually a few years ago that I wanted to use everything I had learned from following the journey of Academy and mom and dad and some of the great people that we'd seen and focus in on supporting personal brands or helping people to launch and uh, build their personal brands and help people to define really what their message is and what impact they can have and then help them to build that in the market. So that's what I do now. And I run a business working with people to do that. I've never, ever, Hannah, in all my life, and I've been around for 52 years, ever heard of anyone charging 20p a poo. It's good, isn't it? That yeah, but really she's is. also the only person that was really excited if our dogs pooed a lot. <laughs> yes, when they were ill, it was payday. Uh, yeah, uh, let's not let's not even go down that road. <laughs> but, lamb, but lamb roast. I would see the lamb roast in the oven, and my my, I'd get the dollar signs in my eyes because I'd know the dogs are going to get a bit of lamb, and that's gonna that's gonna keep things going well for the week. <laughs> So you were you were very clearly an entrepreneur from a very early age. Um, I was having a think about what we could talk about today. And for, for those people listening, particularly those who've been listening for two and a half years, you will know that I kind of make it up as I go along. And I, I've always felt that that's a good way to chat to people, as, as Penny very kindly alluded to earlier on. Um, I, there's two things, ladies, if we may, that I'd like to focus on. I think one would be um, the skills that the, the requisite skills that one should be thinking about developing, whether they are in innate uh, 
kind of inbuilt skills that we have or those that we nurture in order to achieve some kind of successful outcome in life or business. And both of you are brilliantly qualified to to comment on that. Um, And then I guess the second area to look at is those characteristics that we need to develop to make us really resilient. I mean, Penny, you've already talked about, um, you know, that loneliness that many people have in business. And I think we can extend that to life in general right now with all that's been going on. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to really explore those two main topics because again from a feedback perspective we get lots and lots of people saying I'm really struggling right now how do I overcome these difficulties or what are the what are the rules to success if we even know what what success is so if if that's okay kind of just want to have a little bit of a chat around those two those two topics with your permission yeah Yeah, Um, so Hannah in your podcast you 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 mentioned that you were always exposed to this kind of entrepreneurial flair of mum and dad and it's kind of a shame really that we haven't got Thomas on this as well but it could be rather chaotic if we had two boys and two girls all having a chat um but from from that business perspective you know you you kind of were immersed in that comments on that I guess but also from Penny um as a as a parent many parents listen to the podcast and a lot of the questions we get are you know what what should I be doing as a parent to you know, back in the good old days, it, it was kind of different. And I guess we maybe can explore that as well. But uh, were you aware, Penny, of what your responsibilities, if that's the right word, were towards your three lovely kids to kind of put them in the best possible position? Because I think a lot of parents don't actually know, particularly in the current uh, in the modern era where things are so accessible, everything's so fast that entrepreneurial spirit that we all had when we were younger kind of doesn't seem to be there at the moment or hasn't been for a while. I'm not sure. So I guess my question is from Hannah's perspective, maybe we'll start with you, Hannah. Um, how important was the entrepreneurial spirit that mum and dad uh, and the influence they had on your life in those early days, how much has that influenced you? And then I guess from Penny, uh, the, the role of a parent and what we can do as parents to best position our, our children for success in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. Gosh, that's, mm. I've, not, I don't, I've not been asked that like before. And I think asking it with you sat right there, mom, is a bit scary. So, um, I mean, I think an entrepreneur really is somebody who's like heavily resourceful, right? So it's somebody that has an idea or sees a problem and finds a way to then bring a solution to that to market. And I think that ability to have that problem solving ability to first of all, identify it and then think of a solution and then drive some way to solving that, whether it's a massive thing or a small thing is a great skill to cultivate because whether you're going to be an entrepreneur or just be in business or going to have, everyone's going to have a job. If you can kind of start exercising that muscle of identifying opportunities or gaps or things to build, um, to fix even, then I think that's, that's a great thing. And I think we were really actively encouraged by mom and dad when we were young around, you know, to kind of pursue anything that we wanted to pursue. We weren't kind of pushed into it. Um, there was no, I never, you know, we never felt pushed or, anything in a certain way it was more that we would be like inspired to try something or encourage you know positively positively encouraged to try something but there wasn't actually any like any pressure so I think it's a it's an interesting um balance for for that as you're as a child as you're as you're being raised you know in an entrepreneurial world I think in an entrepreneurial family even um I think 
you know, being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of like glamorization of entrepreneurialism. And I think in a way that's good because, you know, that does get people through the doors of doing it. However, when you get then through those doors and you start to see those challenges, you know, and you're then shocked by them. So like, oh my God, this happens. Oh my God, this happens. Poor old me. When actually that stuff happens to everyone. And a lot of people don't know that, that all of, you know, that all of those struggles happen as an entrepreneur because they've not seen it. Whereas when we started our entrepreneurial journeys, we went into it with our eyes fully open because we knew the massive highs that you can have and the lows and really the things to watch out for. You know, there's a lot of stuff that gets brought to the surface when you're betting on yourself essentially there's a lot of like ego stuff that can come up there's a lot of fear-based stuff and there's you know various different things that can 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 come up and I think having the the ability to have been an entrepreneurial family and talk that stuff through and see from other people what other people have done to succeed and what other people have done that has actually caused them to fail or to struggle it helps you to make more an informed decision when you're on your journey um i don't know if that really answers the question but that's mm. kind of how i how i see it yeah absolutely I, well, the message i get loud and clear and I, I do hear this from time to time from from people who've raised successful children is what i'm hearing from the from the children is we were kind of always encouraged to be the people we wanted to be, pursue the goals that we had, the dreams, the aspirations. And, and I know from, from getting to know all of your family uh, quite well now, I'm pleased to say, that's very much a theme that runs through your family. It's kind of um, let the brakes off, go in whichever direction you want to do, uh, put whatever you can into it and, and see what happens. Yeah, I think if you're brought up seeing, you know, parents that you know a lot of people want to change the world you know kids say they want to change the world and there's this thing about oh millennials are entitled because they want to do things that are impactful or whatever but we grew up in a, in a place where we were seeing our parents have a massive impact on the world which made it possible so we grew up knowing oh well it is possible to do these things so if you see something's being done that's possible it makes it less of a big deal right because like, well it is possible to do so that was kind of how we saw things I think that it's possible to do all of these things and you know, the word like can't or whatever was never, was never a word that was used. We were never pushed into it. You know, if we wanted to quit, I always make jokes that like, I'm a quitter. If I don't think something's any good, I'm happy to quit it. Um, so there was no, there was no pressure from that point of view, but I think, yeah, I think that's the difference is that we, we were brought up in an anything is possible, whatever you want, you can go out and get it. It's on you if you want it, but you can do it. I love that actually. Don't, you know, we, we've been, many of us have been taught to don't quit. And what you're saying is, you know, if it's not, not going particularly well, make sure you absolutely do quit because you'd be pretty stupid to continue doing something that doesn't work. Yeah. Steve think- Jobs says, fell fast, fell fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny actually. I re- I, re- I remember reading in Tim Ferriss's book, and he said, you know, there's absolutely we're raised to think that quitting is really bad, when actually quitting is often the smartest decision. And mm. I think you know the word quit, the word failure, they've got so many negative connotations. You know, failure. Oh my God, it's this. Like you know, everyone fail is you know failure is just like doing something wrong and then doing it right the next time basically. Yeah. So I think these words weren't as much of a big deal to us growing up. So there was a lot less fear for us going into this stuff. Um, even though I would have thought, oh, I was way too scared to go into it because of seeing the journey and the ups and downs, but actually it was the reverse. Yeah. And Penny, to the to the question earlier that I asked in relation to parenthood and, uh, you know, were you, is it something you were consciously aware of at the time in relation to Hannah's point? You know, did you have this kind of checklist of things mum must do or was it just, uh, you know, is it is it an innate ability you have to bring the best out in people? Because you do that now. We'll talk about we'll talk about BIP in a minute. But um, as a parent, what what were those <clears throat> advice well, to Hannah's parents? What are the key points? 
Hannah's been really generous and I do want to touch on some of the psychological impact that we had on our kids around um, our openness about what was going on. So a lot of parents choose, and my parents did, you know, now that my dad's 93 and my mum's passed away, I'm hearing all sorts of stories of the hell they went through when we were children around finances and different things. And we had such, they had such a, a proud and closed attitude to not put maybe to protect us right but in the end it meant I didn't understand my parents and I couldn't learn from them either and so you know I was the reverse I am so open and that <laughs> openness has also created pain for the kids because Hannah will tell you in, in 2001 the first time you know we walked into her room and we were crying because we were going to have to sell our house and Hannah was, you know, did have an impact on her because um, she, to her, her house didn't mean anything as long as mum and daddy's all right. You know, she was a little girl. And so, you know, there is some psychological unwinding of, of how open we were with the kids. But there are some upsides of that, which Hannah's very kindly focused on the upsides. But in terms of parenting, you know, I'm. I'm a bit of a control freak with processes and organization in the business. Thomas and I laugh about it. And, you know, I'm a bit 100. We're talking about me smacking your bottoms when people went against my process yesterday, for example. But when it comes to my children, I don't I don't want to be a control freak because I think if you control your children too much, you disable them from making decisions for themselves and being self-empowered. And so um, for me, parenting was very much about guiding and openness. Um, and understanding consequences. And I remember, you know, we say very easily to our, everybody says it, you know, I love you, Sandro, love you, hands, love you. People say that quite easily now. And it, and we always say, I love you in the family, as do a lot of families. And my father's to this day, has never told me he loves me. Of course, I know he does, but he hells back. But I think there's a danger sometimes we say it so easily that it loses its impact. And I remember how important it was for me to tell my children that I liked them. And and that was really important. You know, if, if I met you, I would really like you. And I think that's I really liked my kids. They were amazing people to spend time with. And entrepreneurship, when you come up with a big idea and that, you know, I called myself an accidental entrepreneur for a long time. Um, I wasn't I wasn't given the tools to be an entrepreneur. I came up with an idea that was very entrepreneurial to start the first social network in the world. Did I have the mindset for entrepreneurism? I didn't. You know, I was terrified of risk. Um, there was all sorts of things, psychological aspects of being an entrepreneur that I found hard. Um, and and so the kids would have felt that. They would have done. And there is a thing about second generation entrepreneurs are often more successful than first because they can watch and they grow up in the mindset of entrepreneurism. I didn't. I grew up in a Scottish household where money was a very big subject, but the subject of scarcity of money was where we we lived. And, you know, if, if I went down to the local village shop and I owed 2p on a bottle of, um, of milk, I was sent one and a half miles back that same day, even if it was cold and raining, to give that 2p in. So the subject of money was very constrained, very it was very ethical, which I'm pleased about, but it was it was about scarcity. So entrepreneurism was very frightening for me. Um, you know, I think this whole subject of entrepreneurism is interesting in its own right. Hannah, they did grow up in an entrepreneurial world, which meant they saw an alchemist. We were alchemists. We came up with an idea 
that had to be created from nothing. I differentiate entrepreneurism from small business. And, and I would say our three children are entrepreneurs. My background more would have been, have been a, I would have been a safe small business. And I look at the small businesses across the world that have very easy, replicable, um, you know, you can write up the business model because you've watched somebody else do it. That must be blissful. Mm. I honestly do. I think if I had applied my mind, if I had been a true business owner, I would have just created an accountancy firm. Not that that's easy or something that somebody else has done. But, you know, we came up with an idea nobody else had ever done. And the risk involved in that and the journey we had to take our children through was really huge. And the openness, if I go back to the beginning about our parenting, I think the thing that saved us as a family was our openness, but we did. And I'm happy for Hannah to talk about that. We did have impact on their thoughts around money and Hannah and their three, the two boys, they've had to work through that to be their own entrepreneurs. Mm. Well, I come from a very big family as well, as you know, and uh, the I love you thing is a theme that's run through our lives for years. And we all, we all, um, you know, we all credit our mum who's, you know, suffered the loss of two husbands on a third, both through cancer. And, you know, it's been a real, real struggle for our family. But the one thing that's always kept us going has been this very close knit community where we always felt that um, we were kind of protected from the outside world, almost whatever happened we always had each other. Um, so it's lovely to hear you both say that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the success within your family has come from anything other than that deep-rooted love and affection you have for each other. Um, I, I've been thinking about the reasons. We don't necessarily have it articulated to us uh, from the listeners as to why they hold the two of you in such high esteem. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, two of the five highest-rated guests. Um, but as I think about it and as I listen to you both again, I guess that the reason why you resonate with so many people is that, and forgive me for using these examples, but it's almost like that journey you've both been on. And we'll, we'll talk about it briefly in, in a moment, but the kind of the win, lose, win journey, the, the comfort, pain, comfort, the success, failure, success, where you've both um, enjoyed success, whether it be in a relationship, in a business, then there's been some form of loss. Then there's been a recovery and a rebuilding and you've both emerged from that entire process, better people, more successful than you were before. I'm really interested to know in, in, from your respective views, and we'll talk, uh, Penny, if we may, about Bit 100, because we didn't talk about that before. That was still quite embryonic when we spoke the first time around. And Hannah, your ever-blossoming uh, coaching business around personal branding. So there are some similarities, some synergies between the two of you now in terms of helping people to develop. So first part of the question is, um, how do you recover from loss, failure, whatever you want to call it? And what are the, uh, what are the things that, that we should all be focusing on in order to help us develop ourselves as individuals, entrepreneurs in business, whatever it happens to be? I guess um, I, I don't mind whichever order you want to go in. Maybe we'll start with Hannah because she's sitting there looking at me as if she wants to answer the question. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, the you know the ups and downs and when you tell a story you know you have to tell it as this is the end point don't you and you you reflect on it but actually really that is just life isn't it up and down and everyone some people have really big highs and really big lows and some people just stay more around a middle point I think with us we just 
you know, because we we went through some challenges when we were all, you know, quite young, including mom and dad, you know, they were pretty young parents. I think you just develop a resilience. I think that's that's what happens. I think it starts like small and then you you get more and more used to it. So I think really small things like, you know, the first time we lost a pet, you know, when we lost our first dog, um, a buddy, I remember thinking like, I would just never be happy again. I think I said that to you, didn't I, mom? That I was just like, I don't, will I ever be happy again? And obviously then like, you know, it, you just, you build and then you get through that and then something else happens and you get through that. And I think because we were exposed to such essentially a wide variety of adversity and in all honesty, even when I talk about our adversity, I, I compare it to what some people go through. And I think it seems fairly medium compared to what a lot of, you know, people really struggle. Like, I'm, we're so lucky as, you know, for, for who, we, what we have and the tools that we had at our disposal and stuff. But I think you, you develop a, um, a resilience and I think adversity gives you, um, you know, context and, you know, more caring for other people, more empathy, and those things make you better. So the more you, the more you go through, the better you become almost as a person because of being able to understand people more. And the more, knocks you get the stronger you get so you're just exercising that that muscle essentially over and over again and I think some of the people that struggle when things go wrong in, in later life is because they've not been able to exercise that muscle from from a young enough age and obviously that doesn't mean that we would wish you know bad things to happen on people but when I look at friends of mine because I've got a really interesting combination of friends where some have got you know massive kind of privilege and quite an e have had a relatively smooth ride and some that have had an unbelievably tough ride and you know I look at the ones who've had the tougher ride and the ones that have had the easier ride and the ones that have had the tougher ride tend to be the happier ones the more fulfilled ones the ones who are able to um you know the ones who are more motivated to do something different or to push themselves or whatever so I think I think that is just something that yeah that you that you exercise and also accepting that you know when I was younger and when we would be going through particular challenging financial times for example if we just pick that as an as an adversity area and I would go to friends houses and I would see kind of um the, the money that maybe the friends would have or whatever and I would think oh you know that must be kind of nice you know that not because I wanted all of those things but because I envy that their parents didn't seem as stressed or worried not so much stress not that I would pick up stress from mom and dad but I knew deep down that they were that they were worrying or they were whatever. And I, I didn't used to look at their stuff. I just used to look at them and think the parents and think, oh, it must be so nice to, to not have to worry. Um, but then as I've gotten older um, and I look at mom and dad's journey, I think, oh my God, you guys have so lived, like you've so lived, like so much has happened. And when you look back on your life, you know, we've lived in all these houses and we've done all these things and there's so much stuff that's happened. And that actually excites me way more than the smoother, softer journey. So I think then it becomes a choice. Then you think, well, maybe you're choosing for the ups and downs and then you're embracing them. And I think that's kind of how you can deal with adversity is not at the exact moment that bad stuff happens. Are you going to embrace it? But as you start to heal, I think, and, and move forward, you can, you can embrace things and choose them as being, you know, building blocks and making you stronger. All right. Well, very well said. Mm. Penny. Mm. <clears throat> so I'm trying to think of what the root of this is around is around resilience. You know, it is to me resilience is a, a muscle without doubt and you, you can't you know when i'm talking to people now during the pandemic who are going into their first experience of um financial fear i'm not going to compare their fear with with mine because where where we got to because it's all very relative 
And also, I remember <clears throat> that 2001 fear that ran through my body. And when suddenly all of the building blocks that we had created in our lives were going to, were potentially going to stumble. We didn't, we didn't stumble, thank God. Uh, but we had to change our lives quite a lot, a, a number of times. Um, and um, so, but I, what I realized, and I realized it last year, you know, once again, Thomas and I had created a business that we thought was going to be very safe, having created other businesses with investors and things. This time, a very, very safe business. Bit one, no, it wasn't Bit 100. It was our mastermind group. It was reliant on being offline, no investors, a very, you know, 36 great clients all paying us a monthly fee. I thought nothing could break that. And then the pandemic happened and I couldn't believe it yet again, even though we'd gone a very safe route, we hadn't tried to be too innovative. That had got damaged. But what I noticed in myself is it took me four days to recover from that shock because that was sort of the first, what I'd learned through the resilience cycle that we'd gone through is when you have shock, you have to go into it. Mm -hmm. There is no point doing that brave thing of I'm amazing, which is what I did for 15 years I embraced it I was cross I was upset I was fearful I allowed it I allowed those emotions to come out then day two I felt exhausted and I now know that's what happens on day two I felt really exhausted I didn't expect anything of myself mm. day three I started to get creative and day four I became really excited about the possibilities and I sort of know the cycle of resilience now and I know what to expect of myself when I go through it. Now, that is just a muscle. It's no different to somebody who says, oh, I ran a bit far or I tripped and it'll take me this long to recover my ankle. But you have to go through adversity to learn that. But what's also beautiful about adversity, and this is what Thomas and I have come through again, is it helps clarify what you really want in your life. Because if you don't use adversity to look at the goodness and you don't look at it to say, well, how am I going to design my life around the goodness that I have got left? Because things get you, it's like you're filtering something through a sieve and some stuff's gone. There's some beautiful gold left in that sieve that you now say, well, now how do I make the most of that? And it's back down to your values and your skills, your ability to pivot. And, and uh, you know, so out of that was born Bit 100, which I know we might talk about. So you don't know these things about yourself until you go through it. And I do believe that happiness is the other side of adversity. And I told Hannah a story years ago about the first date I had with Thomas, because my mum, my mum used to say, and I think a lot of women did, they were not as empowered as we are now. Oh, I haven't been to the theatre for years. And I'd say, well, why not? Well, your father's never taken me there. And I'd think, but it's up to you, isn't it? So I said to Thomas on our first date, do you know, nobody's going to make me happy. I have to make myself happy. Not surprising, he proposed to me four months later. That's quite a nice thing for a man to hear. But, you know, I don't believe that I'm going to delegate my happiness. And then after Hannah had her trauma, which I'm sure people can learn about if they listen back, when she was brave enough to go off to Bali, at the, at the, the um, it always brings a bit of a choke in my throat. So we were standing waiting for her to go through in, to say goodbye. And I didn't know when I would next see her. She was on her own. She didn't know anybody in Bali. She said, Mom, you know that story about dad and you saying to dad, nobody can make you happy. She said, you know, you do go, you do have to fight for it, Mom. And I'm off to fight for my happiness. And it's so true. And so, you know, ultimately, as humans, we want happiness. We want peace. We want happiness. We don't actually need all the things that some of us fight for. Mm. You know, and so I think that's the I just think that's been my life journey of joy. 
you know, I never was material. I'm always based my business and my life on family values of love. That's where my joy lives. My joy doesn't live in material things. And I think there are a lot of people that will discover that when they go through adversity and they, they need to really hear that about themselves. Mm. We, uh, we all have something in common and that's a, a pretty strong surname. And I've been think as I've been listening to you both, I was thinking, okay, how can we end this podcast today? Cause we've got miles over time, but I knew we would. Oh uh, so, so the production team will hang me out to dry, but, um, it, as a way of concluding, I was thinking, okay, what could we, how could we summarize this? Cause as you know, I always ask my guests to share with, with the audience, with the listeners, um, that, that kind of lesson for life that if they have the time over again, they'd be imparting to their kids. But since we have mother and daughter on the, on the podcast today, I'm not going to ask you the same question because people can go back and listen to the podcast. So I suddenly thought to myself, let's end with a couple of power phrases since you're blessed with a, an extraordinary, lovely surname. Um, the, the mantras, the rules to live by, um, can, can we see in conclusion to today's wonderful podcast, um, whether we can come up with two or three rules to live by based on all the things we've been talking about today? Oh, I think there's always one which I sort of have two things which I sort of replay in my head. And I think they're, they're kind of, I guess, the things that kind of drive me. So and I think one of them's definitely come from watching mom and dad. So the first one is, um, you know, always be willing to do what others, what others won't. I think like it's so interesting, especially when working with clients seeing the ones that will do it, do stuff and the ones that won't, you know, the ones that do succeed and the ones that don't, don't. And I think I always like, if I don't want to do something, I think, should I be doing it? Um, and then, and then doing it. And then that kind of leads into my second one, which is, you know, we have this kind of, we have a higher self and we have, you know, a lower self, us at our best and us at our worst, you know, the one that tells us to get up and go to the gym and the one that says buzz on the alarm. And I think the more the questions when you're not sure you're not in the mood and you ask yourself, when you're making a decision, is this my higher self making this decision or is this my lower self? And I think that's a question which I, you know, I really ask myself a lot of the time to keep myself in, in my, in my higher self. And um, yeah, so those would probably be my two. Brilliant. Very good. Love those. I I think Hannah's point is very interesting. Both of us have clients coaching. Some of them are in, you know, some of them they cross over, which is wonderful. And it is really sad how many people have got incredible potential but aren't willing to to go out of their mm-hmm. comfort zone and and it's very frustrating because you want to have a client you want to have an impact on your client you want to you want to see the value turning into value for them you give as much but you're not seeing it it's very frustrating and so for me I think it's the saying I heard last year actually I really like is your dreams are at the other side of your comfort zone and you know I can't tell you how many times I had to take myself out of my comfort zone um, now I, you know, there were times I didn't, I couldn't afford to, um, because, you know, we had to survive, but then it gets to a point when you can survive, but maybe it's, you could have a better life. And if you're either of those, you have to cross a comfort zone. And for a lot of people, that is there a use of the digital world and understanding, um, and a new one's just been launched now called clubhouse. And yet again, 56, I'm learning a new network and, and we have to constantly strive and learn. And I've got friends who are retired now and I wouldn't swap my life for any of them because I love the fact that I have to keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone and strive. 
Love it. Thank you both so much. Um, I'm not going to end with the, the normal outro because everyone's heard it a million times before and, they, and I really want to encourage them to go back and listen to your respective podcast. So I'm going to conclude with one simple uh, message to the two of you. I am genuinely, and I think you both know me well enough to, uh, by now to know that I don't say things unless I mean them. I'm truly, truly blessed uh, to know you both, to have you both as part of my life uh, in, oh. in different ways. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, it's been jaw-droppingly fantastic in terms of content. Um, long may you both continue to change the lives of people because you are both incredibly inspirational, lovely, lovely people. And don't say that in, a, in anything other than a genuine way. And, uh, and thank you once again on behalf of everyone uh, involved in the Sandro Forte podcast and all the tens of thousands listening across 48 countries. I'm very proud to say thank you both very much. Uh, Penny Power OBE and Hannah Power, soon to be OBE, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure. But thank you both very much again uh, on behalf of all of us. Thank oh, you thank so you, much. Sandra. That was wonderful. Thank you.